As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry, hear that local shouting, it's Dainer and Jay, it's Dainer and Latest episode of Hear That Podcast Ground is presented by Visa Network, working for everyone. Paul Eater Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic here, working for you. Jay, working hard, had the tough, tough assignment of having to spend a week down in weekend, long weekend down in Palm Beach at the Breakers, a place that there's very few people that in the world or that listen to this that would feel comfortable staying and affording the Breakers. Uh, for a few days, um, but so you but you got to live the the life of luxury and then go to your night your hotel. That's not yeah good. yeah. We did not get to stay. We not only didn't get to stay at the Breakers, we didn't get a media room inside of the Breakers. They did a little pop up tent out in the parking lot for the media. So we were, and it, it, it sounds worse than it was. It was, it was a hard tent. There was air conditioning. They, they kept it stocked with food the entire time they treated us well, but I just thought it was funny how they, they, it was kind of like, yeah, keep the media peasants out there. And I did, I have never felt more like a peasant in my life. I've done a lot of traveling. I was fortunate to do a lot of traveling as a kid with my family. And since I've grown up and that is just a different level of, prestige and money it's it's a gorgeous area but you you really don't feel like you belong no no, it's not it's not the hamilton arby's it is not (laughs) Uh, but but at least you know you were you were outside you stayed in your lane you didn't get kicked out of a restaurant or anything like that so not like one of our former or one of our colleagues former beat Bengals beat writers see i think that there should be pride in this so i'm gonna give her credit (laughs) <laughs> Our good friend Cat Terrell covers the Saints was politely asked to leave a restaurant that she was loitering in because she was trying to get time with ownership that would be coming through and waiting for them to come through. I've been at these events before. Yeah. They have you stationed either in a corner over here or in a hallway over there. There's only so many places you can be and you hang out there. And you wait for someone to come through to catch their ear for a second or ask them a couple of questions that could be either off or on the record or just say hello, whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. But if they have you guys stationed outside, purposely outside, I 
You know, I, I commend Kat for trying to find the spot she could be at and working it so that she can get the time with ownership. So even if she got politely asked to leave the restaurant. The boot. funny thing is she was in that restaurant the night before after the swanky party. And let's just say she probably spent a lot of money there. So I'm surprised they would ask her to leave the following day. No such thing as enough money uh, <laughs> at the breakers. So you're down at the breakers. Uh, owners meetings, uh, the center of sort of the NFL world for a few days. No big news really on the field. I mean, overtime. The vote was kind of the only real thing. We'll get more on that in a second. They changed the overtime rule. Now you need two possessions, or excuse me, a possession for each team, essentially. Um, I got thoughts on that. We'll get to that later because more important stuff. Most of the news um, came on questions and topics around off the field, asked to Roger Goodell about Deshaun Watson, the Brian Flores lawsuit. There's just so many things that have kind of been going on in the outside of the NFL world. But from a Bengals standpoint, the news of going down there is always, you know, a chance to sit down and talk with Katie Blackburn. Uh, Mike Brown usually goes, Mike didn't go right this time, Jay. Yeah, Mike didn't make it. He's fine. He just, he didn't make the trip this year. You kind of let Katie ease into that role and, um, yeah, she was great. So it was a chance to talk with ownership about a number of different things, and a number of different things were talked about. You can read about some of them up on the site now. Jay has a recap of you had about what about a half hour with Katie over over breakfast, I guess, there at the Breakers. Uh, it was it was breakfast hour. We did not eat. We were we were in a a nice hallway at a table right next to the restaurant. So you will hear some dishes clanking and and some some activity. But we were we were just uh, talking. We were not eating. About half hour. This is one of the two times really per year that ownership kind of officially talks on the record. It's this one, and then there's right before uh, the season starts at Mock Turtle Soup, uh, the the preseason luncheon. Um, so it's important. There's a lot of big questions surrounding the organization. First time we've had a chance to talk to them since the Super Bowl and a million of other things that have happened. So there's a lot to really get to. Again, Jay's got a story up that kind of recaps a lot of what Katie had to say and the high points. And there were some very important high points that we are going to get to here. Uh, we got some other stories up on the site, too. If you have a question, mailbag. We're going to do some mailbag uh, uh, at the end of this podcast. Uh, but I'm also going to have one that's going to be up tomorrow. But if you want to sneak a question, you're listening to this, you can try to listen to that. Um, and then uh, I revisited the Bengals 2019 draft and about what we kind of learned about men and what it says about now. Uh, it's the first draft where they cross over into the Zach Taylor era. And so there's I do this every year, and it's, it's kind of a way to grade three years later like you're supposed to wait and do. But it tends to teach some really important lessons about what the Bengals do and about maybe what they should or shouldn't have learned from. That exercise, I would say, don't trade up in the fourth round, would be one of those <laughs> lessons from 2019. Uh, but you can read all about that stuff that's up on the site right now, uh, including, Jay, you also had kind of a recap. Zach Taylor did about 40 minutes with the media down there as well this week and talked about a number of things, about overtime, about Jamar Chase's sophomore season, about Larry Joby, all that stuff. Is is up on the site real quick before we get into Katie? Did you have any any Zach takeaways? It was seen we hear from him so often um, that it's it's kind of an afterthought in the course of a week where we do we do get to talk to ownership. Yeah, it was it was a weird 
setup that they had. They, they were in a ballroom. It was, uh, tile floors. They had huge speaker setups for each head coach and they were only a few feet apart. So it was, it was massively loud. It was a very difficult environment to, to conduct an interview in. And then people were popping in and out and walking up to the side of where Zach is sitting. And then he's, so he's turning his head and talking to them. You can barely hear him. Um, I, I did, I mean, he, he mentioned the overtime. I, I think the Bengals are in agreement on that, 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 that it worked for them the way you get a stop and you win. So you, so you can kind of see why they didn't vote for it. Um, but other than that, I guess my big takeaway was the Joby thing where he was, he, he, he called him a Bengal for life, even though he's only been there one year and just the, the respect and the love that they have for that guy and what he gave him for the 10 months he was in the building, um, is, is undoubtable, but it's not going to happen where Larry Joby is going to come back. It's just, it would be too awkward of a dynamic to, to have BJ being played as the starter. And then Larry coming back, if you know, once he's healthy, it's probably, he's not going to get anywhere near the deal that that got taken off the table by the bears. So they, they wish him well, they stay in contact with him. They still talk to him and, and let him know that they're, they're thinking of him. But if anybody was holding out hope that maybe Larry would come back after the bears deal fell through, that's, that's not going to happen. That spot is again. It's perfectly set up for a developing mm-hmm. high-end rookie to come in and play behind BJ Hill. We've talked about that a lot. We will talk about that a lot more as we get into more draft talk going forward. Let's dive into Katie Blackburn. Um, so y- you guys sit down. Uh, a number of talking points that we probably knew were going to come up came up. What we want to do is just let you listen to the conversation. I, it's trimmed down. Um, uh, for efficiency here, uh, so about thirty plus minutes down to about about twenty minutes here uh, of conversation with questions and answers left in full, but we cut out some of the topics and things like that. So um, like we took out all the overtime stuff and some other things just because you guys know that already, and and we don't need to dive further than that. It's going to keep it Bengal centric. Um, indoor practice facility. Um, is the big talker from that. You probably have heard this news by now already. The Bengals actively um, looking at building the most aggressive language we've heard towards this big issue they've had forever. Um, So you're going to hear a conversation about that stadium. Huge deal on the horizon, obviously. It's happening across the league. Buffalo just signed their deal. They gave $850 million in public Funds again, keyword there public funds for a stadium that's going to probably end up costing about $1.4 billion uh, in Orchard Park. Also, other places, Nashville, Carolina, Kansas City, all having stadium conversations right now. So, you'll hear background on where the stadium thing stands at this moment in Katie's eyes with the Buffalo kind of public money drop in there as part of this conversation of. You know, we all know what the stadium deal did here around here for a while and how it made people feel and how it still is kind of feels like it hangs over the the county a little bit. Um, so some more background on how they're viewing that. Uh, Burrow's big contract is hanging out there. Uh, Jesse Bates is hanging out there. These are some of the big topics, and Katie kind of gives ownership's view on all of those and many other things. We're just going to bring you Katie. Then Jay and I are going to come back and react to kind of what we think some of the major takeaways on all of that are. Then we'll get to the reader mailbag. So a lot to do, but let's start with Bengals Executive Vice President Katie Blackburn at the owners' meetings in Palm Beach. 
I know you guys didn't finish it the way you wanted to, but you, you look at last year and the success. I mean, did it feel vindicating at all? The the the, the way that you guys have kind of done this, that it, it finally paid off, and or is there that lingering no, disappointment? It, it was just. I mean, there. It was fun. It was it was an amazing season, and you're right. Coming out of COVID and and uh, coming off the Joe Burrow injury, it was just incredible to have the turnaround and get as far as we did. And uh, we had a great group of players, and that made it. Um, I think. Um, just you know, they were appealing to not just our fans, but I think a lot of fans, and that made it fun. Um, it's hard to get to the Super Bowl, so anytime you get there, you have to be appreciative and enjoy what you um, what you. That's what you're working. You're, you know, obviously, we wanted that one final step, and um, I guess we still have something to keep uh, shooting for uh, in the near term, but. It was. It was just sort of a. I don't know what the right word is. You know, someone said magical. Someone just said um, amazing. I. I don't know that I would say vindictive. To be fair, but um, you know, it, it was. It, you know, I felt great for my dad, who's worked so hard for you know so long, and he does try to do things the right way. There's a lot of you know. I think he does. Um, a lot of things in a way that, in his mind, you know, he's never thinking just Bengals. He's thinking overall NFL all the time. And so it was great to see us get a chance to enjoy the season and all the things that you're trying to do all the time come almost to complete fruition. The last three off-seasons, you guys have spent heavily in free agency, which is something you haven't done a lot lately. Is that... Is it fair to say this is a philosophy change, or is it more just what you had to do the last three years to kind of get to this point? I mean, I think it's a year-by-year thing. There's probably some years, you know, I don't, it's, I think we'd be open to either approach depending on the year and what you need and what might be out there, and um, I think we still believe firmly in the draft and trying to retain our own guys and build off of that, but you know, there's no question that free agency is a part of the system, and if you can find a way to make in, yeah, find a way to make that um, fit in and help the team. And you're right, last year we really um, got some players that were key key parts of getting us to where we got last year. So it worked out well. So if um, if we can do that, we're certainly going to look at look at doing that and yeah, it's a but we you know, some, just you, depends I'm sorry I was just going to uh, ask you you had some tough uh, experiences with free agency in the past Antoine Owens Brian guys who hurt now when you see what they when guys are healthy what they can add do you think that might be a did that, like that did that kind of convince you? I mean, I think they, I don't know, they have statistics on this that I should be able to spit out. You know, 48% of the free agents yeah. have playing time of you know, whatever. So, but everything's that way. A draft pick, there's certainly, no, you know, you have to build and, and work your way into. So, um, you know, I don't think we, like I said, we took shots before. Are you going to hit on them all the time? Not necessarily. I don't think that happens for any any team all the time. So 
um, that we did really well last year, and I hope that we can, I, I don't know, if we figured something out, I hope so, and I hope we can continue to have the same success. I love the guys we got this year. Yeah. Um, like Jay said, it's been three years. It's been, I mean, and they've been all, they've been all good classes. Um, I will I mean, I do think we have spent more time studying the free agents prior to the free agency. You know, we, we have invested more time in um, doing that, and that seems to be paying off. So, or, you know, I think we are getting good, better results with some of the things we've been doing. What do you think was the reason why that you guys started spending more time on the free um, Well, I mean, I just... I just feel like we had a better, you know, we improved. It's like everything. We, we looked at it, but we improved the way we were doing it, just the way we, um, you know, our scouts and the role they play and, you know, working with the coaches in terms of sort of um, studying the free agent, you know, doing our assessments of the free agents. I think, you know, Steven Radicevich has been great, helped a lot and done some great Things Duke um, has. Yeah, I just feel like we've improved our process and spent a little more time working to find the pieces and the players that will fit our team. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How, how proud are you, or where are you? Are you still the work that Elizabeth has done? It seems like she's made such a big difference. Elizabeth's been great. I mean, everyone's always proud of their kids, right? But um, she just has an energy and an enthusiasm and a get-it-done attitude that really—it's—it's um, it's been great. I can't say enough about all the great things and reactions she's gotten from everyone and you know, she she's a busy she's a busy person <laughs> but she's she's enjoyed it and it's just been um fun to have her here and get that extra boost of um of energy that helped it you know like i said getting the reading of honor done was amazing that was really um a great event it was a great thing for our alumni players, great thing for the fans, and um, she came and got it done. And obviously, we have a great social team, and so, and she'll always say she doesn't deserve all that credit, but 
um, and she gets a lot of it for that. But we have a great social team, and she's worked with them. And and you're right, we did amazing things social on this in the social area that um, are impressive and good to see us get done. So anyway, it's been fun to have her around. And, Mike made the comment at the pre-camp luncheon last year that she's the only one in the family that's not afraid of him, which kind of, <laughs> which kind of, you know, led to the point that he maybe he wasn't in favor, or did, didn't agree with the Ring of Honor. I'm curious, what, what was he like that night? How did, how did he soak in that ceremony? Um, I know he 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 thought it was. I think he well one he was very complimentary. He was. Um, I think happy that I, he was very happy that it happened, and I think he thought it was a great thing. And so he, um, I don't know if you know. I think he was proud to see Elizabeth come in and push hard enough to make it happen. Where are you guys at in terms of your negotiation process with Jesse? Obviously. Zach said combine, you know, just a really important part, but obviously you play a big role in that. Um, so can you just give us an update on where you guys stand with all of that? Well, um, there hasn't been a lot to report on since we uh, put the tag on him. Um, we obviously tried to get him re-signed last year. Um, thought we had a good chance of getting that done, but it didn't, didn't quite get there, so... Um, I I viewed, you know, I think they wanted to see where the market went a little bit in free agency, and um, at some point we'll circle back with them and see where we are. Um, but obviously, we um, love Jesse as a player, and if there's a way that we can get something worked out, that would be great. And um, we'll just have to see where it goes. From a philosophy standpoint, how? And I, I'm sure I hear by click, but. Are you, would you guys be okay with him playing on the franchise tag number, or are you really going to try and press to get something long-term done by the July 15th deadline? I mean, I don't view it that different from last year. We would have loved to have gotten something done, but if not, we hope that he would play and be a great part of the team, and we'd be happy to have him as part of the team either way. Yeah. Speaking of last year, he he still recorded for the voluntary stuff. That may not be the case this year. Would, would that would that hinder negotiations, or is that something you just respect his decision to do that if that's what he is going to do? Um, I mean, I don't know that hinders the right word. I would, I, you know, I don't. That's Jesse's choice to handle that however he chooses to handle that, but I think we'll have a good enough relationship. I, I can't speak to what he thinks is the right thing to do there, but like I said, at the end of the day, I hope that he's playing for the Bengals this year and is a great contributor to the team, and we'll see what that all, how that all plays out. None of these happen in a vacuum. I mean, right. there's ripples for every contract you sign. How much of the big ones coming down the line next year are playing a factor in the decision I mean, that's this year. part of what we've been looking at, trying to manage those things. And, um, you know, we'd love to make every guy on our team the highest paid. But so at the end of the day, you're trying to, it's, you know, you have to fit a lot of pieces together. And so we're trying to um, find ways to 
and that hopefully are win-wins. You know, we still keep enough pieces and find ways to keep the key pieces together. Um, and so different people have different ideas sometimes of how those pieces can fit together, and that's okay. But. While we're on, okay. while we're on the topic of contracts, I do feel like I have to ask that one of the highest ranking, influential, powerful, whatever word you want to use, women, women in the league, um, just your thoughts on the, the Deshaun Watson contract. Because there has been some reports teams are angry by it that he was the guy that got the first fully guaranteed, fully guaranteed big contract like that. So your thoughts on it being him specifically, and then also your thoughts on that's going to have a ripple effect as well on when you, you start talking to Joe next year. All contracts can have a ripple effect. I haven't looked at it closely enough, so I don't know if there's ways that the guarantees can void if certain things happen. And so but I haven't looked at it closely enough yet, so maybe that's not something that can happen but you know there's no question that all these contracts have ripple effects so we'll see i have not had a chance to really study it yet or look at it to be fair it's on my it's on my list but i'm just behind i'm behind i mean does it give you pause or is it almost i don't know scary is the right word but to, to see that much guaranteed money and maybe that's what is going to become the norm in quarterback negotiations um, you know, I guess at the end of the day, we always just try to do what, I mean, like I said, if your quarterback plays, I, I always over, I don't focus on the guarantees much because in theory, if the, if the player gets the money at the end of the day, that's what's important to them. And so if the player's good enough and plays out the contract he gets the money and the thing that always has given us some pause is if for some reason things go badly we're not looking to it's you know it's not fair to the team in the future if there's if there's a large amount of money going to to someone else with the way the system works today so we've always tried to balance that out but you know we work in a world where we realize that other contracts have some effects, so we'll just have to see where it all stands when it comes up to be that time, but, um, you know, we're just trying to make sure that we're giving all teams, you know, at some point, we're going to pay the cap amount, right, and so we just have to find a, t- a way to make that work that's in the best interest of the team. Staying on that, uh, I was reading something yesterday about uh, what Steve Bashotti was saying about Lamar Jackson and how Lamar Jackson's kind of unique in the sense that he's not really in a rush to get his contract. Like, he's going to play on his fifth year. Uh, do you have to get the deal with Joe done next year? Or, or do you, how does that work where, you know, with, like, Lamar, he's willing to kind of play it out, whereas with some of these other guys, like Josh Allen and um, Patrick Mahomes, they got it done way early. How do you manage those different philosophies? Or I mean, it's just a matter of when you talk to the agent when it's that time and it's a feel for for you know some of it's their messaging as to what they want to do and it's a matter of how everything else is set up at the you know team and obviously if if things work well we're we're um, open we're open to both approaches and it's just a matter of working through it with the player and the agent so. 
with, uh, with Carson, yeah. I think, with Carson and Andy. Get it done as soon as you could. That's right. We did get it done earlier with those guys, so we're certainly open to doing something. It's just a matter of what everybody takes both 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 parties to agree on what what will work. The other big news of the week is the Buffalo Stadium deal, all that public money. I'm just curious to get your thoughts, reaction to that. Um, well, we're certainly following a little bit of what's happening in some of the other markets. Um, I, you know, we're, I'm really proud of the deal we got done in Cincinnati. I feel like we built a stadium. You know, we did. We built a stadium at a cost that was really cost effective when you look at what they're spending these days it served us really well we've maintained it I think we um, can get it, it has more years in it for sure um, but you know you, it does you do need to try to keep up and so it's something that we're always looking at and is and I don't think it's you know it's a process that we're Actively, you know, looking at ways to try to keep it competitive with other stadia and um, try to figure out the best way to do that. Part of the, the piece that goes along with that is the, the, the concrete plant and the indoor facility. Is, is there anything, any movement on possible indoor? Um, we are considering ways to make that happen. So... I don't know. I, I should be more up to speed on where our... Uh, but there could be some... I mean, we are definitely looking to plan for that. So when we have some things to actually report. We'll, I'm sure, be out there saying what we're, what we're thinking there. So not down the road. This is... We're talking more... Yeah, yeah, we're looking actively at some things. Yeah. <laughs> because it's such a... It's... It's... It's something that we realize it'd be um, good for us to have, so we're trying to find out ways. From like I mean, the a recruiting standpoint? Not from a recruiting standpoint, just from a practicality okay. standpoint of having an indoor place to practice. Okay. Yeah. All through January, halfway through February. Exactly. We plan on needing it all the way to February. So... What about, um, you know, the Ring of Honor last year, the New Jerseys, the, the uptick in social, is there anything new, exciting plan for this year that you can you can share yet at this point? Um, well, I can't obviously share things without being part of the uh, organized plan to report on them. But we have, a, I mean, not, you know, we're going to do a second round for the Ring of Honor. Okay. And I think um, the details on... How we're going to do that will be coming soon, and um, there are some other things we're looking at that I think will be interesting, but it's not quite timely to uh, share yet. So we'll let you know. But we're looking for you know the draft. I think we'll have a draft. I think we'll have a draft party again this year. Um, some things just no, yeah. no. But there's some other things, but we'll, um, yeah, we'll share in a timely in manner. Time. 
We just came within a couple minutes of the Bills owners walking by while I asked about the Bills the Bill Stadium. stadium. <laughs> but uh, speaking, I of think owners, they're excited about their process yeah. and their stadium. I mean, I forget what year it was built, but um, one of the oldest. It was. Yeah. It was. So I think they're probably they were. I think they were in a position where they had to get something done, and I give New York credit for finding a way to make it happen. I mean, I don't know. You guys see the numbers. They when we made it to the Super Bowl and they put out those numbers of $4.4 billion worth of media and um, publicity for Cincinnati. And it was so fun. I mean, you know, the way the town came together, there's just, there is a lot of value in having having a team. And um, we try to be as responsible as we can and the way we've made it work. But when you're in a smaller market, you're not going to have access to quite the same amount of revenue as the other markets and that's why for better or for worse um, smaller markets I think end up having to put a little bit more into the stadiums to keep it competitive um, with the owners walking by just speaking of owners uh, Mike I know it was what, four or five years ago you mentioned at the pre-camp conference kind of seeding a little bit of a day-to-day control how, how would you characterize he said involved? that for 25 years <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we see him at practice every day. He's definitely involved, but just how would you see him? He is involved. He's still down at the stadium every day. Yeah. Every day. We keep him involved in everything, get his input on everything. But you're right. It's, you know, the rest of us are out there doing more and more reporting back to him rather than him doing it and reporting to us, probably. But, um, but he's, I mean, he has an active interest in everything that's happening and he has great insight. Um, from all of his experience, and and he still wants to be part of everything that's going on, so which makes me happy. I'm glad to see that. How many mock drafts has he done already? He has read. He reads all those mock drafts. <laughs> he, reads, he loves. Yeah, he loves the draft. But who's he want to take? <laughs> you know, it's harder this year at yeah. uh, 31. It's harder to say, but. He probably has his list of couple guys that he's, he's targeting. All right, let's just take a quick break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jay, you were at this table with Kelsey Conway of The Inquirer and Jeff Hobson of Bengals.com. Yes, it was the three of us um, down there, and it was great. Katie was really relaxed and I was wondering how she, you know, Mike has done these in the past and, and Katie, Jeff Hobson had the, the great story on Katie before the, the, they left for the owner's meeting about how his, his lead was, she hates this story already because it's about her and she's not fond of speaking publicly, but I thought she was, she was really transparent and really open and, and, and expansive. Um, there was even the, the one time I just kind of made the quip about the, the Bills owners walked by right after we got done talking about their new stadium. And, um, I, I wasn't trying to reopen that conversation, but she went back to it 
and and said some more about the stadium. So um, it was it was enjoyable. It was a nine a.m. meeting, and um, like I said, we we didn't have food, but she gave us all the time we wanted, and uh, really do thank her for that. So let's start where we have to start here, and that is the Bengals. Um, actively looking at the indoor practice facility. I mean, we, this was the last box left, right? Like this is what are Bengals fans going to complain about now? What is anybody going to complain about now? Is this franchise turns itself, you know, does a complete 180 on every major talking point held against it. You know, I go back to, you know, when I did the story on Elizabeth Blackburn's kind of arrival into that role and the lead was, you know, Elizabeth Blackburn reads the comments. It's clear because the comments have all been checked off now with the, the indoor practice facility. Clearly now the next last box that they are in the process of figuring out how to check. Um, you know, this was not and Jay, I mean, you, you can read body language when, and, and other things from down there too, but, you know, listening to it, this was not, yeah, uh, we're looking into it. Uh, we're going to see what we can do. This was, we're doing it. It's And it kind of sounded like, uh, expect to hear something soon. Yeah, that that was exactly it, where you, you would think if, if they're actively looking at it, but they're still not anything in place that maybe she wouldn't have been so open about it, but it, it sounded like we're actively looking at it. It's close. Uh, we'll have an announcement for you very soon because they, she did. She said that a couple of times where she didn't want to step on whatever the rollout was going to be for whatever the topic was we were talking on. You know, Elizabeth has a lot of that planned out and she didn't want to step on her toes and, and jump the gun and make an announcement. But it, it feels like whatever it is that they've got planned is is very close to being pushed across the finish line and very close to being announced. There's a couple of things about this um, logistically that are uh, that are going to be important that are going to be really interesting to see as they do start talking about whatever their rollout ends up being on this their view of the conversation beyond the fact that they want to do it now, which is the change. They obviously haven't. Uh, they have kind of taken pride in the fact that they don't have one almost. Uh, they have complained about how much it would cost to do it down there. Um, not necessarily cost, but that the power grid to the entire city goes underneath that ground. So you can't just build it on the practice field. That's kind of been a, a big part of their main thing and that they didn't want to take um, – money out of downtown or out of Hamilton County and move the team to the burbs like FC Cincinnati, right? And so many NFL teams, they, they build their practice facility out in the suburbs on some cheap land somewhere. And that's where they practice. I would say the majority of the league does that. Now you don't see a lot of teams with practice fields and practice areas down in the middle of downtown. That's just not, I mean, like Cleveland, for example, is out in Berea, you know, Atlanta's out in Flowery Branch. It's it's just that's what they do, and they have those facilities out there. The Bengals didn't want to take that money and that their t- home, quote unquote, home, out of Hamilton County because they do feel indebted to the county for you know the stadium deal and everything else. So they haven't felt like it's been logistically very possible to do. Now, 
the acquisition of the hilltop property, which is the right across between the river and the practice fields, river and the stadium. You you would know that um, as that kind of you see that junk there, that whole junky area <laughs> down along the, the the banks down there. Um, they have that. That was part of the acquisition with uh, with the the icon center being built was a, a, a land swap deal that included them getting that, but they got to move a concrete plant out that has gone incredibly slow. It has not been working out. They haven't been figuring out where to put this concrete plant. It's tied up in county city. So it's slow to get that going. So any idea that, okay, a practice really could be part of this future on that land is just taking, it would just, it just seems like it's taking forever. And, and we don't know when that end is going to come. So the question to me is, when eventually will that come, and what is the solution between now and then? Is is there is there some temporary thing that's going to happen as as a part of that? And then when it does, and sorry, Jay, as I go off on this tangent, <laughs> but like they're running out of office space a little bit up there inside of the stadium. I mean, I think that it's been a when you get into twenty plus years, the expansion of that side of the business marketing and social media and tickets and corporate and everything has gotten so big. You know, these, most of these facilities that are out in the burbs include headquarters, yeah, office space, tons of room to do all this stuff. So is that going to be something that's going to be a part of this? You know, an indoor facility that includes office space that overlooks it, which you often see, um, you know, indoor to watch. So very curious to see, how much that would be part of an operation and what an investment that would be in staying here long term, which is the <laughs> other part of this conversation. It all does tie together, Jay, you know? It does. And it, I mean, you, you you look at the 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 land down there and you wonder where if it's not the hilltop plant, where they could put something. Um I, I maybe Longworth, they could rent some offices over there. That that building is huge, and it doesn't seem like that's full. But it doesn't that doesn't seem like something the Bengals would want to do. You're right; they're going to want to have offices within the inside of the practice facility, so they can watch. It's it's going to be interesting to see. It does sound like we said that that something is the wheels are moving on something. So, it the my question is if it's not going to be the practice fields that they have now on top of that, which it can't be because of the power grid, then that's, I mean, yes, these guys are pro athletes, but you're talking about a pretty substantial walk to go somewhere else. If it's not Hilltop, if it's not right across the street at those, at those practice fields. So how many players are we going to see hitching rides from Mike Brown on his golf cart? If they move it even further West of, of the practice fields, um, I, we'll find out in due time where it's going to be, but it's, the, the same thing goes for if if a new stadium is part of it, where would that go? Is there room down? You can't you can't tear one down and build a new one on the same spot. That just takes too long, and then you would not have a home for a couple years. Um, so that you're right, they don't want to move out into the burbs where a lot of these Kansas City is looking to. They're not, they're already out in the burbs, and now they're looking to leave Missouri and go into Kansas. It's just that's not the what the Bengals want to do. They want to stay downtown, obviously. A lot of time for that to play out. The The stadium lease is not up till 2026, but the, the practice facility will be constructed with contingencies and plans and thoughts of a new stadium as well. And look, this should have happened a long time ago. 
Yeah. And this goes along with the same way we approached the Ring of Honor conversation. This should have happened a long time ago. It's embarrassing that we're having it in 2022. Um, but um, again, it's realizing where they're at and 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 approaching the problems that are part of modern NFL, like the modernization of the Bengals in terms of the way they do business over the last three years since Zach Taylor arrived and Elizabeth Blackburn arrived and has been remarkable. It's been everything anybody had has wanted is just just be be like doing what everybody else is doing in some respect. You know, what players expect, what fans expect, what makes this league fun, what makes players feel like they're in a billion dollar, multi billion dollar industry. You know, and that's part of it. And they, you know what? Credit these players. They took ownership over. You know, DJ Reader said it a couple of times. We don't even have an indoor. You know, it makes us tough and, and it made them gritty, and that's great. But at a certain point, it shouldn't make them on a bus in an ice storm going up to Clifton. Okay. Like at a certain point, you can't, you, that's not where it can be. I think they realize that. And the other part of that is if you think you're going to be playing later into the season every year and the yeah. season goes later every year, I mean, your regular season now goes two weeks into January. Your playoffs go almost through the entire winter where you're basically playing through the entire winter almost at this point if you make it to the Super Bowl as they learned. I mean, there's a practicality element to that too that's part of this that you just – at a certain point, and that's not even getting into summer OTAs if it's super hot or whatever. Or you just have things you another practice field to have to want to do things. All of that stuff, the office space, it, it's it's obvious that this was something that had to happen. Yeah, it did, and that that, you, that that's one of the key points. And maybe even this would still be in motion without last year's Super Bowl run, but last year's Super Bowl run really drove home that point because. Yeah, December and January are they're next to each other, but you you still get some warm days in December. Uh, that doesn't happen in January. January it 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 winter really settles in, and it's not just about the toughness of the players practicing in the cold and being tough. I mean, you worry about illness. If it's not just the cold, it's the rain and the snow and the sleet, the wind, all that stuff. You, you start getting a couple of guys sick and then it, it goes through the entire locker room and then you're at a major disadvantage in the playoffs. It's you said it, practicality, pragmatic. It's it 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 just it has to be done and it is way too late. But it, it it's the better late than never philosophy here. They it took them forever to do it but they are doing it now so everyone should just be happy with it and as you said earlier find something else to be mad about now <laughs> well and we'll see what that is I mean, the thing is you can't change the past all you can do is 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 try to do the best that you can right now and and again they have checked off every box ring of honor new uniforms now indoor facility i mean you know, you go all the way down this list of things that people, you know, free agency free spending, agency, yep. winning playoff games. Uh, people can call it the Joe Burrow effect. I think that's part of it. I think that helps push things along um, in some, like the free agency things and things like that. But I do think it's also, it is an understanding of of the need for this and, and, and people like Elizabeth and Katie um, helping push it along. And so... Uh, kudos to them on doing it. Let's let's not talk about the other part of this because people do bring it up all the time now. As and, and, and 
the stadium lease is coming up in, in 2026. And now there's an important thing with the stadium lease here. You have 2026 is the lease. But they, when they redid things, uh, I believe it was when the, in the Icon deal happened, part of that added in five two-year rolling extensions. So a 10-year window um, to kick the can down the line, essentially, on needing it. And, and, and Katie says an important line here to me when she said, you know, look, there's we think there's still a lot of good years left in this building. And I think most people in there feel that way. You know, the, To me, the facility, while it's, you know, 20-whatever years old, it doesn't feel that old. Now, when you go to SoFi and you go to <laughs> Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta and a lot of and you go to Vegas and a lot of these new facilities, obviously it's not that. Um and there is a certain point where they're going to need to keep up with everybody else and Katie mentions that. Uh but there is that's important to remember that those extension windows of look, you you they've got time. It doesn't have to happen immediately. It's not like in 2026 they're going to be like, well, we're out of here. You know, there's there's an ability to to kick this down the line to 2036 as far as that if they wanted to, um, or figure out a plan between now and then. But you know, I thought he's not hiding it. We're watching these other markets. We're mm-hmm. keeping an eye on, on what's happening here. And look. Public funding is a part of this. And she points out that it's been a part of it in most of these places. And and I think that's going to be the element that's going to make people uncomfortable around here. It, I, I think it's a good point about that building having more years in it. I Maybe the fans could tell us better because we we go into the media room in the on the ground floor. We go to the press box. It It doesn't feel like... It, it it has the the aura of a rundown stadium, and again, we've never watched the game from the seating bowl and walked through the concourses and stuff. But the the bigger complaints until recently were the how sterile it was, the, all the gray concrete, and they've done a good job with that. Of you now know you are in the Bengals stadium, and they, they've made the upgrades with the, the video monitors and the ribbon boards, and they just announced the new deal with new Wi Fi. Maybe that's something that. It affects fans more than anything because they want to check their fantasy teams. They want to be able to get online and, and send Instagram posts and Snapchats and all that. And if it poor Wi-Fi goes into that, uh, the the big another question that kind of lingers out there is if you're going to ask for public money, um, do they stick with Paul Brown Stadium or do they sell naming rights? Because you you could bring in a lot of money um, by selling naming rights, and I, I don't think that's something they would be interested in doing. But is that going to put people off where that's kind of free revenue that they would be turning down? Um, there's just, there's a lot to a lot of boxes to be checked, and a lot of things that that need to come into play before we even get to 2026. Let alone, as you mentioned, the the, the 10 year rolling period. Um, it it was so contentious. In '97, yeah, I, I, I still think even with the success they have now, even with everything changing, that is going to be a very hard ask to to get public money. Now, a lot of the money in New York for the Buffalo Stadium came from the state. 
mm-hmm. and came from the governor. And so how much does that side end up getting involved? There's a lot of different ways to go about it. And I'm not, we're not going to dive into the logistics of this today. Um, it's a complicated issue that's got plenty of time to go on, and these conversations aren't even going to happen right now. I mean, their their negotiation time for this is still is still year a year or two away to even start discussing it. But you know, again, I think the key thing of this is pointing is is you know, Katie saying, "Look, we we see the numbers of four point four billion worth of media and publicity for Cincinnati came out of their Super Bowl run." And what that's worth and how much fun it was for the community and what that run did for the community. We talked about it here every week, how the city was so damn alive for like two months there and in in a way that you just can't generate organically with anything else and and what it does. And so I, I think it could be the house, the borough belt. There's no doubt Um, that happens at Willie Anderson famously calls uh, Paul Brown Stadium the house that Jeff Blake built because <laughs> Blake, Blake Blake brought a slight infusion of happiness into the fan base there right as they were in the middle of the yep. thick of it and helped push it over. Uh, but that's it, it, maybe that's what it ends up being, whatever. And this, there's a lot of places for this to go. But the point is that, you know, this is coming and – Keep an eye on Buffalo. Keep an eye on Charlotte. Keep an eye on Nashville. Keep an eye in Kansas City. And, and you know, Warren Sharp had a great tweet, and it was looking back at the public money and the percentage of total funding that came from public money on the last, I believe it was like the last 10 stadiums that were built. You're not going to like what you see if you're begging the Bengals to go build this with their own dime because that's just not something that's been happening pretty much hardly ever. Um, there's been a ton of public money involved in almost all of these deals. Um, so that, that conversation will be coming down the line and, uh, we'll see where that ends up, but this is kind of the first broaching of it, uh, that we've kind of gotten into since as these things are starting to come to a head and these other markets that are very similar sizes too on the, on the, on the bottom end, we're not talking about the Vegas's and the, and the Los Angeles and, and New York. We're not talking about those. These are different ones when you're talking about Charlotte and Kansas City and Buffalo. So keep an eye on those. Yeah, and the thing with Buffalo, you mentioned as a good point where the state jumped in and offered some money, but they, New York only has one team. The Giants and Jets are in Jersey. And would the state of Ohio do that with two teams? Because then there's going to be the Brown Stadium's about the same age. And there's going to be a lot of a lot of hands out there too if if, if the state sets that precedence of, of putting in money to help the Bengals. It's there's a lot. There's a lot to to wait and see what's going to happen. Um, I, I know a lot of fans are, are are more focused on 2022 right now and just crossing their fingers that the stadium part of it will be taken care of in due time. Okay, we're going to work our way back towards 2022 here, Jay. So let's t- <laughs> we're we're not there yet. Let's talk about Joe Burrow. So another thing, you know, this has kind of been hovering over. Um, everything really that's been going on. We talked about it a lot in the run up to free agency, and that was look, this the borough contract is out there. Um, how much are you planning for that ahead of time? How much do you have to not take money out of this year's team, but structure deals in such a way that you're really trying to heavy front load any deals that you're doing now and give yourself opportunities to have wiggle room and outs 
even more than you normally do, which is always something that they do on the back end of these deals when you know Burrow's coming due and not just Burrow coming due. When Jamar Chase and whatever's going to come of T. Higgins, um, the, the I mean, when we see the the hockey stick up <laughs> of receiver, the top of the receiver market over this this offseason, I mean, unbelievable what happened to that market. I mean, you went from the top of the market being 18, 19, 20, to now the top of the market being approaching 30 overnight almost, you know, with the Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams and everything that, that went down this year. Jamar Chase, what is that going to look like? T. Higgins, what is his deal going to have to look like? With Burroughs, how much is that even plausible? Do you have to start thinking like the Chiefs did when they trade Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. a year before? I mean, there's just a lot of things that come into this, but it starts with the Burrow contract and – then what happened with Deshaun Watson? And, you know, I thought it was interesting. And, Jay, you can touch on this. You know, Katie kind of saying, like, it's on my list to look at that Watson contract. I haven't yeah. gotten to it yet. But knowing that, admitting, yeah, there's a ripple effect on all this stuff. Yeah, there absolutely is. I mean, you, there are people upset that, that Deshaun Watson was the guy that got this first huge – 230 guaranteed but just the just regardless of who it is the fact that a quarterback was paid 230 million dollars guaranteed the year before you need to do something with your quarterback absolutely that is a a huge ripple effect and it's it's not something the Bengals like to do give out tons of of guaranteed money and and Katie mentions it that you you don't want to punish the team down the road for a mistake that was made three or four years prior. And if a, if a player lives up to his, his performance ability and lives up to the, the constraints of the contract, he's going to get all that money. Anyhow, it's not guaranteed, but he's going to get it. So it, it is, it's, it's really going to be interesting to see is, is Joe Burrow and his people going to want 230 million. They're going to say, are they going to say Deshaun Watson got it last year? This is the going rate. This is the template's been set. We want 240. We want 250 guaranteed. And if they do, then what happens? Because it's it's hard to imagine the Bengals doing that. It is, but it's also hard to imagine in three years that they would do a Ring of Honor New Jersey's an indoor <laughs> practice facility and win and be in the Super Bowl. But Joe Burrow changes things. Yes. And, and if there was any, what, what did Katie say here? What did she say? Right? It's you don't want future teams to pay for something that's gone bad. If there is one thing that you can say in five years will not have been bad, will not have gone wrong, it's Joe Burrow. Right? I mean, this we're not talking. We've already seen him go through the ACL. You know, outside of Tommy John or his arm falling off or something, I mean, what is possibly going to happen to Joe Burrow? Especially if we see him do this season a second time. If we see 2022 is what we expect it to be. Him, he's in the MVP conversation and Bengals win a lot of games because of him. You know, at what point is it, look, we can say that everything comes with a Burrow exception. I. Will they be willing to say that? It may not be 250 mil guaranteed, and I don't know that Burrow would want to do something that would severely hinder and limit 
what can be built around him. Yeah. I'm not going to say he's going to be Brady on a hometown. Maybe he is. Maybe he looks at Brady as the way it should go. I don't know. Joe Burrow doesn't have Giselle making <laughs> more money than him. But he does. You know, he, de- we don't know what that comes. We just don't know. I'm going to say, though, to me, I do think with Burrow, there will be a willingness. Let's not forget. They made Boomer Esiason the highest paid player in football. They made Carson Palmer the highest paid player in football. They paid Andy Dalton, for God's sakes, before anybody thought they would. Gave him $96 million. So they pay quarterbacks. I said this last time. Don't forget that. So when we talk about this conversation and what Katie had to say, yeah, they're thinking about it because they're very, very focused. Number one priority, keeping Joe happy. Paying Joe. Knowing that's part of this. So keep that all in mind when you think about the context of what you're hearing Katie say here. Yeah, and and we know they're always looking. This was part of their – when they drafted him, they knew this was coming. They've been planning for it, and it's – you can never anticipate the the way that the you know the contracts are going to get bigger. You can never anticipate something crazy like two hundred thirty in guaranteed money. The, the, the scary part is yes, you do, you don't you don't expect Joe Burrow something to go wrong there, but you it's football. You know what if what if there's a shoulder injury or something like that? Any kind of injury where the guy is never the same after that. That's where you really that's where the risk comes in with that that guaranteed money where. You're paying someone way more than what their value has actually become, but that's that's the unpredictable nature of football. Anyhow, when you get into this business, you know you have to deal with that. It's just it is. It's just like the the stadium deal, and even the indoor. Even though that's closer, it's just something that it's going to be really, really interesting to see what direction they go when the time comes. They've still. They're thinking about it big time. They're talking about it. But the action on that is still a year away. A season of Joe Burrow play away. And so yeah. we'll, we'll continue to watch that. And, you know, you do see these deals go awry. I mean, look all the dead money that people got saddled with. Jared Goff, mm-hmm. Carson Wentz. Uh, by the way, both teams that made it to the Super Bowl with not with that quarterback in terms of Wentz. He didn't finish the year, but he was kind of the Super Bowl quarterback that got them in the position. Goff went to the Super Bowl. Both of them became dead money anvils on the team that they had to unload. So it's not like it doesn't go from early in the career Super Bowl uh, to disaster of a contract quickly, or that there's no precedent for that, I shouldn't say. Um I don't know that that will be the case with Joe Burrow. I think people view Burrow differently, but people thought very highly of Goff and Wentz at that point in time. Things do mm-hmm. change even without injury, but I think another season of them playing at him playing at a very, very high level certainly wouldn't hurt matters. And sometimes it's just kind of a chance you have to take the cost of doing big quarterback business. It's better than being on the opposite end of it, like some of the other teams out there trying to figure out a way to sell Mitch Trubisky to the fans. So... Jay, let's just dive into some other stuff. Other takeaways uh, from the conversations. Jesse Bates, maybe start there. Um, what you thought about what what was said about Jesse? Yeah, the, the fact that she's not closing the door on getting him re-signed. I don't know how realistic it is that it will happen, but you know, Katie said they they tried to 
to sign him last year, which he he talked about too, where he he said, you know, I guess they don't view me as the the the, the one of the best safeties in the league, which would indicate it was it was somewhat of a low ball offer. I, I it it's not as though the door has closed, but the, it's it is right now. It's it's closed. It's not locked. Um, there's it's they, they've hit an impasse, and there's really not any back and forth going on right now. Um, but she did say that they will they will try to revisit it and try to work on it. And um, she didn't really want to get into what that the ramifications of Jesse sitting out or uh, not sitting out, but just skipping the the voluntary workout. She said that's his decision to make. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Um, but it's it. There was nothing in that conversation that that added more optimism to the fact that they can reach a long-term deal. It doesn't mean they won't or can't, but there it wasn't anything that made you think, ah, maybe, maybe something's down the road. I mean, I don't know how you could be optimistic at this point. They've yeah. came in with optimistically twice. So why would you all of a sudden be like, oh, but I'm sure that third time <laughs> it's going to be different than when we really thought we were going to get it done before the season and we really thought we were going to get it done before the franchise tag. Oh, yeah, that third time's definitely going to be different. Totally different conversation. Maybe it will be, but the idea that you're going to be sitting here with optimism today is just false. Like that just, it yeah. just seems that they're just clearly play, uh, viewing things in two very different ways. And it's question, you know, and the question is going to be a matter of if Jesse wants the security over the extra couple million dollars a year. Of yeah, not having to worry about it anymore. And that's up to him. That's a that is a tough decision to have to make as a player and a tough thing to have to go through that type of a season again. But I think that's where it's at. I I you know, I don't with everything that we just talked about on the horizon, I certainly don't see the Bengals all of a sudden being like, You're right, Jesse. We can, that's really that's that's really in 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 the in the Brown family history. Just caving after a long time. Yeah, that always <laughs> happens. Never, ever, <laughs> no. ever is there like a going back on what they say that where they're at. It just the idea of being bullied is comical to me. It's going to be a thing where either Jesse says the security is worth it, having the money in hand, the long term contract is worth it, or not, or there's not enough guaranteed money in here to really make it worth it for me anyway. So. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe he says, you know, look, the franchise tag is just as much guaranteed as you're willing to give me, so I end up in the same spot at the end of this year anyway. So maybe that's what it is. Who knows? Yeah. But, yeah, I'm not surprised that the optimism meter is still low on that. Yeah. We got July 15th is the deadline. So yeah. we've got, what, three and a half more months to, oh, yeah, to, to wait on this. Yeah. <laughs> What else, Jay? Anything else? A uh, second Ring of Honor class sounds like it's on the way, which is good. Um, good news for people that enjoyed that and want to see them kind of knock out a few more names early before they maybe if they eventually start spreading it out or whatever it is. But it sounds like there's going to be uh, another round of names going in this year. Yeah, no details on it yet, but you would expect uh, it would probably be scheduled for the night of a primetime game. And you can probably bank on i don't know if you're talking inductees it's how much they want to play catch up or how much they want to kind of build the drama i i would think it would be either two or four maybe they go four again for the second class maybe they just go two and, and try to play this out um that that to me is the the most interesting piece of this is is how many members 
of, of this year's class they're going to be. We'll have time to talk about that when they announce it. I, two feels right to me, but yeah. whatever. I mean, they can do it however they want to at this point. The fact that they're doing it and doing it again, I think, is uh, half the battle. Um, all right. Anything else? The overtime. So, Jay, you have overtime trivia. So there was 29-3 to 3 on the overtime vote. Bengals, one of the three dissenters, which we talked about at the top of the show. Um, Katie basically saying, we don't really like things being different between the regular season and the postseason. Kind of want it to be the same during the entire course of the year. She didn't have a problem with them voting it this way. Uh, it's fine to go play it that way. But that's why she voted. Part of why she said no, she didn't like the idea of it being different, playing a different game in the regular season versus the postseason. Yeah, that that and that and the she said she loved the sudden death aspect of it, but that there's always going to be you're no matter whether you guarantee teams one possession, two possession, whatever, there's always, at some point it's going to come down to the sudden death aspect of it. So it's the, you get into the unfairness thing where are you setting it up where these, this could be a really long game. And then that team in the playoffs is hamstrung the following week. Um, she did bring up a point too, where, you know, we, I kind of joked about it when the, when the vote was announced um, that, a tradition unlike any other we always see the Bengals voting against these rules and you know she's she has said and I think this has been said before that when, when Mike votes on this these things he doesn't vote necessarily in what he thinks is best for the Bengals it's he always has in his mind what is best for the league which almost sounds counterintuitive because if most of the league is voting for it why is he voting against it but um, she, she did kind of allow that that was his thought process on a lot of these votes um, I, I had some stats in the story. I went back and looked at the Bengals have played 40 overtime games in their history. They're 18, 18 and four in overtime games. <laughs> the, the, the news now, of course, deals with scoring a touchdown and that not ending the game. The, the Bengals of those 40 overtime games they've played have scored one overtime touchdown. Do you know who it is? One overtime touchdown? Yes. Oh, my God. Who had their only overtime touchdown? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure when you say it, I'll remember the game or whatever, but I, uh, a walk had it been a, a walk-off. I don't know. Yeah, Who is it, it was It was memorable. You will remember it once I say it was Corey Sawyer, a 53-yard pick six of Scott Mitchell against the Lions. Wow. In 1998. Corey Sawyer of Key West, Florida, where I finally yes. worked. Uh, how about that? Wow. That, that, that made them one and one that year, 1998, and then they lost 11 of the next 12 to finish three and 13, and they went out and drafted Achilles Smith. <laughs> things, were, <laughs> things were going well. Yes. <laughs> uh, wow, that's, that's, that's really good. I, you know – the overtime, the interesting thing is, you know, there's a lot of really good, I, I said this, I, I rely on the math people to tell me what they think. You know, they're, they're, they're out there. You can read them. We, uh, ben Baldwin does stuff for us. Um, Seth Walter at ESPN. These, these guys are great at looking at what does the math say and what you should do. What I like is it seems that it's, it really is more of a coin flip now in terms of the percentages. You know, the problem that they had and why this, this got passed was because you had – you know, in playoff overtime or whatever it was, I mean, 10, 10 and two was the record of the team that won the coin toss, and seven of them scored on the first drive. Mm -hmm. We all heard the coin toss. 
reaction in Kansas City at the AFC Championship game in the in the overtime coin toss. It was maybe the loudest roar from the crowd all day. Mm-hmm. And when they won the coin toss. If we're eliminating that, that's what matters. Like if people <laughs> should not care. It should not matter which way it goes. That's why I'm team spot and choose. And just say whatever you you the the one team chooses where the ball goes and the other team chooses if they want to do offense or defense. So they're gonna be pinned back in their own end or wherever it is. Spot and choose. Everybody feels comfortable and that it's even. That's fine. This is fine. I just as long as you know this I think getting the ball second is the way to go. Um, because the information that you would have, you're not no chance that you could lose, but you you go into it knowing exactly what you need in your drive. You know if you need we obviously know if you would need a touchdown or a field goal, which is not necessarily different, but now you know you could go for two there. You know to be going for it on fourth downs. It's like the first team that gets the ball and it's fourth and six at their own twenty eight, they're punting. Okay. Second team that gets the ball, the other team has already scored a touchdown. It's fourth and six of your own 28. You're going for it. And because you know you need to go for it. That information is very valuable. And to me, I think that offsets, you know, the getting the ball first and third when the new sudden death would be third, technically. So either way, the, the math people seem to say it's coin flip, but an actual coin flip. So I'm down for that. I, I'm fascinated to see how many teams will defer because you're right. Everything you said there. The other element here, not just not getting the ball second and, and knowing what you need to do, but if you trust your defense, it depends on how the game's going. If it's a low-scoring game, you defer and hope you can get a three and out or limit that team, and then all of a sudden you're starting with the ball at your own 40, just needing 25 yards to get a field goal to win the game. But the flip side there is the whole reason this is in place is because offenses are so good and dominating the game, and it's almost assumed that – you're going to get the ball and go down and get a touchdown. So both teams score touchdowns. If you deferred, now you're you're in that you're you're getting one possession to your opponents too, and that's that's where I, I think the risk comes in. But it will it will be really fascinating to see. I, I I don't know how long it's going to be before we see someone defer in overtime. Um, with this new rule, I, I think it's going to happen, and and it'll probably happen sooner than a lot of people think. Some people seem to think that is the way to go. I'm not sure of that because of the fact that if it goes touchdown, touchdown, now you're you're in that position where you have to get a stop. But somebody's going to do it. Maybe it's a maybe it's a 13 to 10 game, and you say you're going to go with your defense first. Um, it'll be really interesting to see. And the other thing is, it's hard to lean on analytics when you have nothing to lean on. This is a, this is a brand new world uncharted territory um so it's gonna it's gonna be fascinating to see what what tack the coaches take when they win the coin flip who knows how long it could be we got to get an overtime game in the playoffs again first so oh. who the hell knows when that's gonna gonna happen there were a bunch of them this past year but that doesn't necessarily mean there's gonna be a bunch um let's dive into some reader questions here real quick because we've got a few of them i've got a, a mailbag a friday um but we, I wanted to pluck a few out here just for us to talk about with you. Uh, Brandon S. asks, how many more starters or key rotational guys do you see the Bengals pursuing in free agency? I'll let you kick it off, Jay. Um, I think they're pretty much spent. They're, they're, I mean, if you're talking outside guys, maybe if that cornerback market comes down, 
where where the, the reason a lot of those guys are sitting out there now is because they're they're at or above 30 and they're asking for too much money um maybe they go get one of those guys if the if the market bottoms out but i i don't see it i i think i i think you can see kevin huber come back obviously that's the one um current bengals free agent that's still unsigned i, I think that's a no-brainer that he really wants to break that record for most games played by a Bengal. He he's not gonna he's not gonna haggle over cost too much. I think they can find a fair deal to bring him back and let him compete with Drew Chrisman. Some of the other guys, you know, Trey Flowers, he's he's in that situation. Um Quentin Spain, the, the guys they would like to get back, but not at maybe what they're they're asking right now. They they technically have money available under the cap, but we we talk about this year after year after year where they they allot this money for different things and and what they're willing to spend is almost tapped out. So I I I don't outside of maybe a couple guys that were on their roster last year that they bring back on on cheap deals, I don't think you're going to see a much if any activity of them going and getting new free agents. Yeah, I mean I think they still have interest in bringing Trey Flowers back. You mentioned Huber um and then then I think they'll let the draft happen and then revisit. You know, we've seen them do that in the previous years. Mike Daniels, I don't know when 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 was Apple signed? I feel like he was after the draft. Uh, yeah, I thought it was May. May. I mean, either way, we've seen this happen where in previous years where draft happens and then they relook at their roster and like, eh, really could use a little more depth here or trade for BJ Hill, right? I mean, where they then reevaluate and look what's out there. And, and at that point, the market has come down, and those players are starting to freak out that they won't have anywhere to play when camp comes. Mm. Uh, and so you, that, to me, is where then they revisit, look where their money stands, look what the market has done to the, those names that are out there and, and what their depth looks like and, and how the draft maybe didn't go their way. And that's where you see another, another strategic, calculated move happen. That could be in any number of spots. Um, all right, a couple of fun, more fun ones here. Uh, run, pass, or boot career championships. Deshaun Watson, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, run, pass, or boot. <laughs> That's, I mean, my my knee jerk instant is run with Joe Burrow. Can I, mean, I can, can I switch it to AFC championships? Okay, sure. I'll still I don't go know if with that Joe changes Burrow. things in case they get traded to the NFC or something like that. But yeah, uh, let's let's let's. If that, you feel like it changes it, we can leave it at Super Bowl. But now, you, it, now is it do? AFC Championship for, moving forward, or does is Burrow already have a one nothing lead? Uh, moving forward. Okay, I'll still go. I'll still run with Joe Burrow. I just don't. I mean. I love Deshaun Watson as a player, but this is a weird situation and that there's still stuff hanging out there. It's still the Browns. Things can go south in a hurry. Um, the Lamar, Lamar Jackson thing is just weird with, he seems in no hurry to get a deal done. Um, the, the Ravens, I think we'll say they bottomed out, but they, they were pretty disappointing last year. I, I just, I've, it, it, I don't want to say it's a no-brainer, but it's close to it. I, it's a, this is an easy run on Joe Burrow, and the the hard decision comes here for the the pass or the boot. And I 
I guess with the proven history, the Ravens have have gone to the Super Bowl. John Harbaugh, I think at this point, is still a better coach than Stefanski. So I will. I'll pass on Lamar and and I'll boot Deshaun Watson. I just I think that's got a chance for. I love the roster. I love the way he plays, but I think that's got a chance to go south. There's a lot to be said about Deshaun Watson. I mean, <laughs> and I don't and I don't mean in the off the field stuff. I just mean in like. How will it mesh in Cleveland strictly on the field? And then obviously the off the field questions that surround him are part of this too. Um, I don't know what's going on with Lamar. It's a very confusing situation to me. Like it is. The, the Ravens are saying Lamar won't talk about it with us. Lamar's tweeting. I don't know why people don't think I want to be there. I'm a Raven. Love my Raven people. And you wonder about his longevity you know, will he be like a running back that he deteriorates a little bit in his running ability? That's such a big part of his game. And to a lesser extent, you can say the same about Watson, who, who's very much of the mobile quarterback mold. We know what Burrow is. Mm-hmm. The, the model's Tom Brady. Like the, the goal, the dream is him. He plays like Brady. And the longevity can be part of that. Or or Manning, and you hope nothing bad ever happens like that with, with his injury. But you know, where the chances of staying safe and getting the ball out quick and avoiding contact and still being able to be back there and do your thing, you know, you could add many more years, I think, than these guys. So I think I, we, I agree with you. I think Burrow is the clear answer here as the run. The boot, I think I'll pass. I'll pass on Watson and I'll boot Lamar Jackson. I just. I worry about longevity with Lamar. I don't know what the hell's going on with his Ravens situation in terms of locking him up because I do think it's a part of him being there. They understand him. He fits there. He's proven he can get close to the championship there. Um, I think Harbaugh's good for him. But if Burns. it ends up he ends up going somewhere else or something weird happens, I don't like that. So that's, my, that's why I'd, I, w- I would boot Lamar. Simon I mean- H., says, big love from London. We always love our folks over there. Maybe we'll be seeing you this year. Um, if you had to predict the number of prime time games and against who, which would it be? Uh, now you can max six and then get flexed into one more. I don't know that they'll hit the max. You know, look. You would think so, having been in the Super Bowl. But then you look at the way people talk about them. And we've talked about this about how, oh, they're kind of a fluke, and and you know who really. I don't know. Maybe a lot of people aren't thinking thinking that they're just going to regress. I'll pot them for. You're going to have a Thursday game. I four. I put the over under at four and a half. Prime time. Yeah, I think it could be five. Could be four. What do you I, think? I wrote down four. Yep. Um, and early, where where they have the chance to get flexed into a couple later. It, I I don't know that the league, the networks are are, are going to be totally sold on the Bengals with knowing what the typical regression is of a Super Bowl loser, knowing what the Bengals have been in the past, knowing how hard the AFC is now. I don't think anybody's like, oh, yeah, that team is – they're, they're going to be right exactly what you're looking for, top of the 
top of the AFC. I know a lot of Bengal fans feel that way, but I'm not sure that the executives and the TV executives in the league are sold that way or sold on that yet. So I think you'll see see four scheduled, uh, three early. Um, I I do think there's a really good chance that it's it's Bengals Chiefs Sunday Night Football Week One. You you see that a lot. The the Super Bowl winner gets the Thursday night kickoff game. The Super Bowl loser usually gets Monday or Sunday night football. The they could easily go Rams 49ers kickoff a, NFC Championship game rematch. Then Sunday night Bengals Chiefs AFC game championship rematch. Um, they cannot put the Bengals on Monday night football in Week One. The Reds are home, so that that one's out. So it would have to be Sunday night football. Um, as it, as far as other ones, I think. I think a a Thursday night Bengals Browns game makes sense again, and maybe they push that one. That's the one later in the season where the, where they don't have to worry about a Deshaun Watson possible suspension. Um, and then the other opponents, I don't know. I, I mean Tampa, right? You would, yeah. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like Thanksgiving primetime oh. game. Brady I think. And Burrow. I mean, I think Thanksgiving is a very real possibility for us this year for where we're going to be. Where we're going to be at, Jay? I, I did, this will surprise you, but I went back and looked because yes, they do play at Dallas, but not since 1979-80 has Dallas played AFC opponents on Thanksgiving in back-to-back years. They always rotate that. It's it's Fox one year, it's NBC the next or I'm sorry, CBS the next. They they played host to the Raiders last year, and that game was on CBS. Fox is going to want the Cowboys, not the Lions this year. Um, so I, I, I think we're going to see Dallas play an NFC opponent on Thanksgiving. But that that Thursday night primetime game really does set. That would be a great spot for a, a Brady Burrow primetime game to get great ratings. Uh, I think you're right. I mean, yeah, Thursday night. Thursday night of Thanksgiving, very real possibility for that one. I, you know, I, I think you could see. I'm torn because I, I the home games, the Bills game. I mean, I think for would would point to happening, but it's two small markets, which is weird. Even though they're even though they're two of the premier teams in football, um, I, I still I think it does end up. In prime time, just because of the quality of the two teams and the quality of the two young quarterbacks, um, but it's weird because you just have two kind of small market teams, and you wonder who maybe would would go for that. Maybe it just ends up like a CBS four o'clock window. Keep you're probably gonna see a lot more of those. There's not we're not gonna get many of our beloved Sunday at ones, Jay. <laughs> That's a shame. It's a, it really is a shame. <laughs> it's hurtful for us. Um, to me, those obviously stand. I, I still think they're going to want Bengals Ravens. I think Bengals Ravens is going to be something that people are going to be intrigued by. People like the Ravens a lot. Um, they know what happened last year. Um, I, I I think Bengals Ravens. Those division games always seem to they do sometimes find their ways into prime time too. It'll be fun to see how they're viewed and, and what happens because of the Super Bowl run. But I'm with you four. Maybe five. Yeah, I'd be su- I'd be really surprised if it was less than four. I'd be surprised if they maxed them out at six. You mentioned it, the possibility of London. That would be Saints. I. It just doesn't make sense that they would not let Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow have that homecoming to New Orleans. That's another one that feels like uh, if it is in New Orleans where it's supposed to be 
could a great possibility of being a primetime game. But the Sa- the Saints don't want a bunch of Bengals fans in their building. Yeah, but so they don't if, make the if schedule. The league, if the league says screw it, we we want a good team in London because we get accused of never sending good teams over there. <laughs> Send your Bengals game over there. The Saints aren't going to say no. Do we want to not have like 75% Bengals fans and Burrow jerseys <laughs> in our building while we trot out Flamus? You know? So I'm, I'm, that's all I'm saying. We'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep, we got plenty of time to talk schedules. It gets closer. Uh, we're going to we're gonna wrap it up with this. John N. asks, what is the heaviest metal band Jay has ever listened to? I'm waiting for a metal version of the HTB tpg theme if you're listening bengal boys who do oh, our yeah. theme who've done our different themes um and they're awesome they're looking for something hard heavy heavy metal here so maybe if you if you guys have some time and you're interested fire one off what is the heaviest metal band you have ever seen live jay man that's a good question i thought you'd have I, this one like right on the top of the head well no because i i mean i do like hard rock but i don't not the the heavy heavy screaming stuff because i when, when i go to concerts it's different than when i listen in my car because when i go to concerts i'm with my wife and she's she metallica is even a little too hard for her i've not i've never seen metallica in concert that is the big hole in my resume um we've been talking about trying to do that maybe going to the pittsburgh show this year so i'm not i don't i don't think i've ever i don't know i I'm not sure I can come up with an answer because I, I, if I'm, if I name someone, corn went hard. That was the one we had great seats and you could feel the percussion. Like it felt like your shirt was vibrating. Um, that one was really strong. Um, you know, we've, we've seen at some festivals where you see some, some up and comers who you don't really know who they are that were, were pretty hard, but I'm not sure I, 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 this is a hard one to answer on the spot. I'll have to give this some thought and I'll, I'll go through my concert database and, and, and tweet my answer later. There you go. That's what I was going to say. When, when the show comes out, uh, Jay, you will tweet your, you have to tweet your answer with the tweet about this show. All right. I'll do this question for people before they listen. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep that in mind. I'm excited to see like, (laughs) you ever go to Pantera? I never no. I'd not, never seen Pantera. Never saw Motorhead. Never saw Judas Priest. So it's yeah. This is going to be hard. You, did you did Mullet Jay ever? Well, I guess you weren't in the Mullet anymore when Limp Biscuit came around. They were yeah. they were pretty like angry. Uh, you know, I've seen Iron Maiden several times. That might be that might be the one that stands. But I, I will. I'll go through it and I'll I'll include it with my tweet. I look forward to that. Uh, Jay, I hope you enjoyed Palm Beach. I hope you're happy to return to windy Cincinnati. I'm glad that your plane landed okay, despite the crosswinds. I we used to uh, my my kid my my oldest when she was younger. Uh, she used to like watch, like to watch plane videos on my phone. Like she just liked watching planes and stuff. And so, mm-hmm. in a way to make it entertaining for me and for her, I would find those ten minute YouTube clips of just planes like trying to land in crosswinds and. Nearly wreck, which I may have traumatized her for wanting to fly the rest of her life, but it was helpful in the moment. I found it entertaining to watch that. I, that's how I envisioned you trying to land at CVG, uh, you know, in, across through the windstorm last night. But I'm glad everything went well and that you're you're back here safely in, in Cincinnati. 
you traumatized me. You you tweeted or you texted me a gif of one of those planes. Well, and that was it. Luckily, it did not happen. It was a smooth landing, and but it, it's always fun when it's it's bumpy like that because you kind of look around and you can tell who the the first time flyers and who the experienced ones are because the the white knuckles and anxious looks on the faces are are pretty telling. I I have a hard time. I'm not gonna say I don't stay calm, but. The heavy chop still it's it still shakes me up a little bit. Like yeah. it's hard not to th- start thinking about what you're gonna do if this thing goes sideways. Am I gonna make a phone call? Like, am I gonna do I have service? You check see if you have service so that your last text can go through. Like, why yeah. did I pick exit row? Do I, do, <laughs> can I renege? I, I'm opening that door and getting out. I'm not helping anybody. <laughs> Jay, you made a <laughs> vow to the flight attendant verbally. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that scene it's the scene in seinfeld uh where they think the fire's happening whatever and, and george just busts through and he he throws the grandmas to the side and the clowns everybody else and so he can get out the front door that's you that's you it's not right uh all right thanks everybody for listening i uh, hope you enjoyed uh hearing from executive vice president katie blackburn and uh we'll be back next week because we're full into draft coverage now coming out of the owners meetings is we're about a month away, so a month away from the draft, and, and we'll dive into all those decisions and bring in a lot of guests here for you over the next month. Looking forward to that. So we'll talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody.